It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Wednesday on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, your host here. We've got a special guest here, two-time Super Bowl champion, Trey Essex. He's going to talk to us about his time with the Steelers and his understanding of what this Steelers offensive line is going to, trying to coalesce midseason as they're foreign to getting ready to take on the Jaguars. It's a full Steelers episode here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast. A show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday to Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. And uh, we can get all of your, your daily content from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette right here. Not just Steelers content, but Pirates, Penguins with that season underway, Pitt, Penn State, everything Pittsburgh sports here. But this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the number one bar in Pittsburgh in the North Shore. Go to PNC, go to PNC Park on Federal Street, right across the street from PNC Park, and you'll find Mike's Beer Bar. Over 20 televisions to be on any game that you want in any sport. You can even reserve TVs and tables in advance. And you can try one of their, their 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers being local, 80 of those local beers being available on tap at all times, and they're changing every week more on mics later we got trey essex here uh trey comes to us he is a former steeler a two-time super bowl champion with tons of nfl experience seven years he played for the steelers and trey welcome to the show you've we know you've done one with brian already but i want to get a sense of you man you you played offensive line you've seen you've you've seen this offensive line all year what is your opinion of this group and the steps it's taking forward after you watched their performance and their win th- this this past weekend? Chris, I'm sorry. I think we froze for just a second. I didn't hear that last question. Oh, I'm just saying, what was your opinion on the Steelers' offensive line and their performance in the Steelers' win this past weekend? You know what? I thought we did well. Uh, I knew coming into the game that uh, they had a wrecking ball in number 99. So that was uh, – it was a premium. We had to put a, play, a place of premium on stopping him or at least limiting some of the damage that he could do in all the facets of uh, the play as an offensive line, whether it be the running game or the passing game. 99 is always somebody you got to account for. And so I thought they did a pretty good job of neutralizing the big plays that he tends to make uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And we ran the ball effectively, especially in the second half. Uh, we were able to protect Kenny, especially in that, that fourth quarter when we needed to the most for, for that penny, uh, Kenny to pick it, pick it to Pickens connection that's been working mm-hmm. so well for us this year. And uh, Deontay actually seeing him come back, uh, that was a welcome sight uh, for Sore Eyes. But our offensive line, I thought, performed a lot better. I thought that maybe a lot of folks thought going into that game. 
I thought so too. Aaron Donald, known as a wrecker of football in all situations. When you go into a game and he just tackles you four times and never and never sacks the quarterback, you right. did something right. And uh, <laughs> when I when I went back and looked at the L twenty two, I noticed almost every play. If he was on the field, there were two bodies touching him every every time, and that's what you have to do. Uh, but again, detailed work from this group uh, to build not just in protecting Kenny Pickett, but opening up space for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And that's one thing I want to talk about this offensive line with you specifically about the run game. I asked Mike Tomlin about building the run game and if they're building momentum moving forward and about player input. We heard from Najee Harris and Mason Cole leading into this, this last game about how they they met together over the bye week and they were talking with the offensive line and saying, hey, what runs are we familiar with? And the input that they had, Mike Tomlin talked about that and the run game on Tuesday. Here was the him when, it, when I asked him that question. Mike, and as far as the run game and, the, and you guys building momentum, did you feel like you guys found more things that you could find that you could find to win up front to give you guys the space in the backfield to work for? Sometimes it's just winning enough on the perimeter to to get the type of schematics up front that allows it to happen. As I mentioned, there was a commitment early on from the Rams schematically to minimize the running game. And the more plays we made in the passing game, you know, the more opportunities were born in the run game. Have you, got, have you guys worked with the players to f add more wrinkles as the season has gone on that to more identify with things that they're seeing on the field as far as their perspective as well? Continually. So one aspect there, Mike Tomlin drills right into, he's like, listen, they were paying more attention to other things. And I think that was very true. When Deontay Johnson's on the field with George Pickens, defenses have to honor both. And they're, 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 it's spreading them out a little bit more, which gives the Steelers not as many loaded boxes, which allows the offensive line to get hat on a hat and just and go to work. Trey, uh, you see that. Was that how big of the, of importance is that to kind of get that extra man out of the box that you guys can get to work and kind of get the, get pushing downfield a little bit? Oh, it was crucial. Um, there's no secret. Our offense has gotten out to slow starts this entire year, dating back to last year, and so I think it's been the the goal of the defenses that we play against to try to put the the ball in Kenny's hand to start the game. Uh, when you get a chance to limit what we do as an offense, we have not done well, especially in the past game early on in the game. And so what they're trying to do is eliminate the running game and put the ball in Kitty's hand to see if he's going to step up in the first three quarters. So I can see why there's loaded boxes and whatnot, but even still um, it's one of the things that me personally, I've always, despite how the defense plays, we don't want to, I feel like we shouldn't have to dictate our game to based on the defense. We should be doing the dictating as an offense because mm. that is crucial to get out to a fast start. And it gives our offensive mind confidence when you know that despite what they're lining up in, you can still run the plays that you're comfortable with, that you know are your bread and butter plays. I talked to Brian last week about having an identity um, and having play calls that you know that no matter what they're lined up in, you feel that good about yourself running those plays that you can get three or four yards in any type of situations. And so for us, we had a play called 22 and 23 double. That was our bread and butter. And from mm. that, you had so many things you could do from that. Not only would you run 22 to 23 double, but you also run a weak side zone if they overcrowd the right side of the line. Or there's so many play action variations you can run from 22 double uh, from different types of formations and motions and whatnot. And so that was one of the things that I was hoping to see uh, in our offense as a whole. And I hope that we see moving forward when we go against a team like Jacksonville, who has a really good defensive line that Josh Allen 
the Javon Walkers, who have been great against the run. I think number four, number five against the run. Mm-hmm. You do not want to go in there not running the ball, being scared to run the ball, or let them dictate that you pass the ball early on. You want to be able to tell them that, yeah, I know that you're good, but we're good too, and we're confident in the plays that we're running, and we want to run our offense how we want to run it. When you played for the Steelers, you came out, you were drafted as a rookie the year they went, they win the Super Bowl uh, in 2005, Super Bowl 40. You started four games that, that year. You were part of kind of learning as the Steelers offense was figuring out how to work around Ben Roethlisberger, how to run with Willie Parker when he started to really take take over. How much input do you remember having like as a unit when you guys would sit down, especially like mid season when you're figuring out, all right, these are the plays we like, like you're talking about the, 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 the play calls that you, that, that you guys remember being your bread and butter. How much right. input did you guys have and how important is that to changing the scheme mid season to figure out what's best for you guys? Oh, we had, we had all the impact on how <laughs> we had a lot of input on what was called. And it's mainly because the guys that we had in our room, Mm-hmm. The office line coach that we had, we had Russ Grimm, the original one of the original Hogs, who mm-hmm. whose voice was heavy in that in that locker room and <laughs> in that coaching staff. We had Alan Fenica and Marvell Smith on the left side, who Hall of Fame and Pro Bowl t- caliber uh, offensive linemen, and Jeff Harding's a center who had been in this game for and obviously Kendall and Max too. But especially with Red Alan Fenica and Marvell Smith, and then Russ. Uh, they kind of dictated what we did as an offensive line. We knew what we ran well. We had 22 double, 23 double, like I mentioned, 39 man and 36 power. These are all plays that we knew, even with Willie or Jerome, two completely different types of running backs. But those plays work for both, and they just ran them slightly different. But we could block how we wanted to block, and it might look different depending on who's running the ball. But for the offensive line, we got to stay comfortable no matter who was running the ball. And they had confidence in the fact that no matter – who was if it was going to be uh, 39 or 36, that there was going to be a hole open by number 66 uh, or, you know, uh, 77 on the left side and uh, 73 and 78 on the right. So we uh, we we had a lot of sway, so to speak, in our in our and what plays were ran. And when Wisenhut was throwing the ball, he always came in. Uh, what, what plays? You've watched film this week. You understand the defensive line that you're going against. What running plays do you want to play? They never changed from week to week. It didn't matter who we were going against. We knew what we could run and what we could do as an offensive line to, to, to bring success to our offense. I want to talk to Trey more about building off of success and what it involves in that as far as play calling and building on that, as well as Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Lots to come on this show on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. We still have a lot to discuss. But first, I want to remind you guys, this show is sponsored by Mike Beer Bar, the number one bar in all of Pittsburgh. If you're ever looking to watch a game somewhere, Mike's Beer Bar is the place to be. What you do is you call ahead to Mike and say, hey, I want to watch – Duquesne versus whoever you want to watch West Virginia, you want to watch Pitt, you want to watch Penn State, your college football Saturdays, they can get whatever game you want on any of the TVs. You can book out a table with your friends. And when you're there you're trying amazing food, they have steak on a stone, they have burgers, they have all the different options that you could imagine food wise. And of course, every possible beer you could imagine from Western Pennsylvania, 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers being from local, local areas and 80 of those local beers being available on tap. And they're changing them every week so that whether you want to stout an IPA of an Oktoberfest, cause we're in that part of the year, they have all the different beers available at Mike's beer bar, go to Mike's beer bar today to get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. And when you get there, tell them Chris sent you. 
We're also brought to you by the Great Yinzer Tailgate. The Great Yinzer Tailgate is bringing the best of Berg to South Point on November 4th, showcasing Pittsburgh's rich culture, iconic sports history, and vibrant community spirit. The Great Yinzer Tailgate will immerse you in the unique blend of traditions that make Pittsburgh legendary. Visit www.thegreatyinzertailgate.com for details. See Yinz there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter here with two-time Super Bowl champion NFL offensive lineman Trey Essex. Trey, I want to ask about Kenny Pickett, but before we get to that, you talked about the bread and butter. And I felt like this was the first time, oh, no, maybe the second or third time, because they started to run the ball in the second half against the Ravens as well. But I feel like this was when you st- I started to see consistency in plays that they could call repetitively and get consistent yards on. and. Right. When you get that, and people talk about, you know, Matt Canada and his playbook and how this is so basic and they repeat plays. And something Najee Harris has has, has told us, he's like, everybody repeats plays. That's part of the NFL. You you, you have plays that you call because your player your players are good at, at executing them. And there's, right. there's plays you guys can call that just work no matter what the defense lines up. They're like, hey, this is what we're going to be with. But I think what determines a good play call is when you find those plays – how do you build off that? Like you, like you were saying, with plays that you guys are familiar with, it wasn't just that you called it; it's that you called plays that made. Like if you're calling a run one way, play action another, a run that looks similar to that that makes them jump into the wrong gap so that you can attack a different spot of the spot of the defense. What have you seen from this group that suggests like maybe they're close to being able to do something like that in their game? I've seen a commitment to it, which is the most important thing, because I think maybe it was a little scatterbrained early on when mm-hmm. there wasn't success early on in certain plays, it would be a while before we go back to those plays. And the thing is plays may not work early. Those guys on the other side of the ball get paid big bucks too, to stop us from doing what we want to do. And so what you got to do is you got to show a commitment to running the plays and forming an identity. And when you show commitment, you give those guys up front confidence. And that's the biggest, that's a crucial thing. When you're dealing with five guys that have to be on the same page on every play in order for a play to be successful. They need to have confidence that the coach is going to call the plays to put them in the right position. Mm-hmm. And they got to have confidence that the guy next to them has the confidence with you as well, that you're going to get the, the job done when that play is called. And so I think that's the biggest thing moving forward after the bye week is finding out the plays that we're confident in and that we can consistently run and they consistently call them so we can confidently run them on game day i'm right with you on that i want to talk to you about kenny pickett because we could talk about the offensive line and everything else but the big thing about this steelers offense is that everyone is waiting to see can kenny pickett develop into that franchise quarterback that can be Mm -hmm. the guy that carries the torch for the next decade plus and they and they don't have to worry about about that position as much moving forward and i want to talk to you about this because i feel like kenny I, I I look at Kenny and I see like man, there's there's a lot of potential here, there's a lot of potential there. But everyone can look and see he's 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 a different quarterback 
in the fourth quarter. He just, he just mm-hmm. is. And I, I think that it's a good thing that he turns it on in the fourth quarter. It shows that it's capable there. I see him processing in the fourth quarter. It's not that he's yeah. just finding one-on-one matchups, throwing it up and trusting his receivers to make plays for him. But I mean, you look at his numbers overall right now, passer rating 81.3 25th in the NFL, nothing special there, but that jumps up to like 102 in the fourth quarter with how, and that's, it's, it's not just this past week. It's not just the Ravens game. It's been consistent all year. He is a problem. If, if his pass rating in the fourth quarter was his consistent pass rating right now, he'd have the third best pass rating in the NFL, just ahead of Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, and Patrick Mahomes. When you see effort like that, you know, a lot of people might liken it to Ben Roethlisberger, but other people in our comment section and on the Post-Gazette bring up, what about Tim Tebow? Because that was very much him. Do you think that what Kenny Pickett's doing in the fourth quarter is a sustainable thing that can spread to the other parts of the game? Or do you think that this is something that maybe the Steelers are just getting hot at the right times for? I don't think it's sustainable. Um, I think the domino effect from not playing well in the first three quarters and putting so much on the defense early on and getting behind and hoping that they keep it close in order for us to have the type of fourth quarter. Um I think that's a losing strategy because at some Mm -hmm. point it's going to wear our defense down. And at some point later in the season, we're going to be back behind too much to mount those fourth quarter comebacks. Right. And so it's it's fun now while we're close and we have a one score game in the fourth quarter or even like a 10 point game, we can do the things now that Kenny's been doing so well. Um, And I I love the fact, I mean, if any quarter of the game, you want your quarterback to be at his best, you want him to be in the fourth quarter. And he's been doing that consistently the last – year and a half now and so but we got to work in those first three quarters we have to right because what that does is it alleviates a lot of pressure on the defense it alleviates a lot of pressure on the offense line because as an offense line we don't want to be past setting the whole fourth quarter because we got to come back from behind mm-hmm. they weren't that far behind against the rams and we were able to run the ball still establish that and play off the play action and whatnot but like i said if, it, if this becomes a thing and we get too far behind it's just not a sustainable model and it's just going to make Kenny look all the worse because he's going to be dependent on to do too much in the fourth quarter in order to justify, is he the, the guy for us? And so at some point, we got to be able to mimic some of the things we do in the fourth in the first three quarters. Uh, and that mainly comes down to us running the ball better and being able to get some easy passes early on to build that confidence so that the offense can come out the gates a little faster to start the game. Do you, are you encouraged when you look at it and you see that it can expand into other quarters? And I mean, you're, we're looking at Kenny Pickett and the way that he's performed so so far. Uh, you know, this is this is now 18 starts that he's had in the NFL, one full season plus now plus now a game. He has six game winning drives, five fourth quarter comebacks. It's clear he could do that part. Do you see enough in that success that suggests, hey, this can expand? It just takes consistency. I don't know. And that's the million-dollar question because just like we know he can come back in the fourth quarter, he's also put a, a, a lot of work out, a lot of film out that says that he hasn't been able to do it in the first three quarters. Mm-hmm. He has 18 games of slow starts. Well, not 18 games, but most of those games have been slow starts for our offense. So you're wondering, what is it? what is the mental block that's preventing him from coming out the first three quarters and putting up the type of numbers that he's capable of doing in the fourth? And so that does worry me because it's been such a consistent theme of our offense, slow starts and uh, not playing well in the first quarter, early turnovers, and then having to mount these comebacks in order to stay competitive. You wonder, is this him or is this something that could be uh, taught in practice? And is there something that we can give him early on to get him going early? I, I'm still hope, 
hope, holding out hope that, that that happens, but it hasn't. That hasn't been the story so far at all. His his passer rating, quarter by quarter. I want to, I want you to respond. Just respond to just hearing this, confirming what you're saying. First quarter passer rating forty five point eight. Second quarter seventy six point eight. Third quarter ninety two point nine. Fourth quarter. 102.8. He goes from being a bottom barrel quarterback to being an all pro in like, the, you know, by the end of the bottom, game. Like the worst. That's the worst. Exactly. That's terrible. Yeah. And so that that that's troubling. And we have 18 games now. Um, granted, you we he's gonna get the time that he needs to improve upon that. I mean, and we see guys, especially this year, this has been an odd year. So many quarterbacks who have uh had a history of success. Joe Burrows, the Josh Allen start out all slow, you know, this mm-hmm. year. Even Patrick Mahomes started out slow. So there is some hope that maybe this is just an anomaly. Maybe this is just a bad year for starts for all quarterbacks and that maybe Kenny is part of that trend as well. Um, but he also has that last year history as well to, to kind of go against what that is saying. And so uh, that is troubling. Like, and that was something I know they have to have had to work on. We have this stretch right now. We have three game home games in a row, and if we're going to make something out of this season, it's something out of this offense. Uh, this Jacksonville team is a good litmus test because Jacksonville has given us trouble over the years, whether at oh, home yes. or away. And uh, this offense is is picking up steam at the right time. They were also a team that started out slow um, with Trevor Lawrence and whatnot, but now that offense is looking like they are capable of blowing out anybody if the if everything works in the right place and we cannot afford to get behind a team like this i i'm right with you there in fact the last time that the jaguars were here was the tw- the 2017 2018 playoff game where the steelers lost after a 13 and 3 season so right. that bringing up harsh memories for steelers fans i want to get trey's opinion on the running back situation because everyone wants has a favorite running back in Najee harris Jalen warren both scored their first rushing touchdowns of the season in this in this last in this last week win uh over the rams i'll talk with trey on the other side of the break here about that but first before we do anything else I want to remind you guys this show is also brought to you by savinas Kane and Delucci. They're mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers with over 85 years of experience. Call them now for a free consultation at Savinas, Kane, and Delucci. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co, where buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the is the, is the app that you can download right to your phone, and it's fast and easy to buy tickets for all your events, whether it's sports, music, comedy, or theater. GameTime can get you the tickets that you want. And if you've ever had to buy tickets up to the last minute, GameTime is the perfect app for you. You download the app on right on your phone, or you go to the website, GameTime.co, and even if you're running up to an hour after your event has started late, you can find tickets available on the app. You, you get to see where the tickets are. You get to see the view from the seats so you know you're getting the right value. And there's no hidden fees. They make sure all the prices are up front. So you just tap it once to confirm the price, tap it twice to pay, and the tickets are yours and on your phone and ready to get into your event. So go download Game Time today, and they have the best price guarantee that can't be beat. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code pitt pit for twenty dollars off your first purchase go to their website gametime.co or terms of supply create an account create an account and redeem code pitt pit for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed back 
Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter here with two-time Super Bowl champion offensive lineman and former Steeler Trey Essex. Trey, I want to talk to you about this, this running back situation because everybody got an opinion. Najee Harris is RB1, Jalen Warren is RB1, and it's just like rabbit season, duck season. It's, it's, it's crazy here in, in Pittsburgh. But I think, if anything, this game should have symbolized for a lot of people that are in those debates that both of these guys are good. Both yeah. of them bring different things to the table. You saw the cutback that Jalen Warren had and how he, he gave him that little sliver and he was able to hit that and go. The tough runs that Najee Harris gets, uh, even the reception that he had where he made like two guys miss and got the Steelers to the ones that Kenny Pickett get his QB sneaks. Right now, Najee Harris has the 12th most forced missed tackles in the NFL with 19 on the season. He is at a crazy pace. That's that's ahead of guys like James Conner, former Steeler, ahead of guys like Devon A. Chain, who everyone's talking about with his strong start to the year. Uh, and, and he's been able to put big numbers up. What is your opinion of both of these running backs and maybe how the Steelers should be using them, if differently at all? So um, I was critical of Najee to start the year last year. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that with the O-line, the new O-line last year, that he didn't trust him, and rightfully so. He was coming off a foot injury, and he was tentative, and so he tried to put a lot of his own shoulders to try to make plays happen and maybe predetermine where he was going to go a lot of time. That improved as the year progressed, and uh, I thought going into this year that we would see a lot of that at the start. Um, I think that he gets a bad rep because the – like. Like we talked about earlier, the defense has been targeting uh, our run game to start every every game. And it doesn't help that we have been very predictable when Najee's in the game. And mm -hmm. so he has to fight against a defense that's running downhill when he's in the game because we have not been using play action effectively. And we haven't been able to go over the top and use the middle of the field. So the middle linebackers are coming down, the strong safeties are coming down, and there's a lot of people in that box for him to try to maneuver through. And so because of that, I think he – got a lot of – he gets hit at the line of scrimmage a lot um, and has to make a lot of yards on his own. He's not doing the whole predetermining where he's going to go beforehand like he did last year. I think he's been going where the offensive line is blocking for him. And I give him a lot of credit. He's doing a, a good job of trying to get the most yards he can. But also, Najee, I think, needs – needs kind of like in the, in the mode of Derrick Henry. He needs to eat. He needs constantly – needs carries. I think he only averages like 11 or 12 carries a game. And a lot of that is due to how the game is uh, dictating. Uh, the game is dictated to how we run the ball, how we're usually behind uh, to start early on. So we have to rely on the pass game early on. All these reasons. But yet and still, the reason I, I think he's not been able to get going like he he's capable of doing is because he has not been able to eat that much. Now, don't get me wrong. Jalen Warren has been has shown a lot. These last mm -hmm. two years, he is surprised at camp last year. He's been nothing but a spark plug for our offense. Whenever we need a big play, it seems like uh, Jalen Warren is the one that provides it. The thing I think that gets overshadowed is that when he comes in the game, we're usually in some kind of three or 11 personnel. We're usually in three wideouts, trips, or mm -hmm. whatever. Defense so is a little bit more spread out. And also, he right. adds a lot more in a, in a passing game. He gets a lot of splash plays in the passing game when Kenny has to check down to him. So I think that the opinion of him gets um, not exaggerated, but it gets bolstered a little bit more than Najee because when Najee's in the game, he's having to, to eke out the tough runs. He's not as involved in the pass game, and the defense is really usually scrunched up eight or nine people in the box. So to your point, they are both 
providing our offense with a lot. And they are both good. And I give Najee a lot of credit for weathering the storm and being a leader in the locker room and speaking up, saying that it's on the players and not the coaches to execute because that's the truth. And that's what you want your leader to say. But I really think Najee gets a bad rep. And I think he's having a pretty good year despite the numbers. Despite the numbers may say something different. I think he's having a good year. And I think that eventually, if you keep on going with him, if you give him those 15 to 18 carries a game, those 20 touches a game, that you'll start to see the Najee Harris that we, that we draft and that we hope for. Now, right, and you're right on the money there. I think you said 11-12. He, he's, he's averaging just under 13 carries per game right now at the pace that things are. And some people might say, well, it's because you got to give carries to Jalen Warren. But I think to something that you pointed out, if the offense isn't going three and out as much early in the game, that's going to boost both of their carries because they're going to yeah. possess the ball longer. And then you're getting, you're building up momentum. You're, you're getting down, you're, you're running downhill a little bit more. And then you're, you're building that war of attrition on a defense where you're wearing them out. And instead of the Steelers defense being out there for 60 to 70, 80 plays, you have the other team's defense and then you're wearing them down. And then you're putting the pressure on them late in the exactly. game. I, I think that's a big part of what Najee Harris is, is, is it needs to happen. And, and I think Jalen Warren as well. And to your point about leadership too, you know, I, I, I talked about it with Brian Batko when he said it before the Ravens game, he's, he called us off. He's like, Hey, we were soft against the Texans. We can't have that. And we've seen a tonal shift there. Even in the game, I was looking at the all 22 for the, for the Rams game at the end of the game, when, Kenny Pickett had that sneak, and you know the, the officials gave the Steelers the first down at the end of the play. Chuksakor for is you know he he's got young gripped up one of the defensive linemen for the Rams. They're kind of mm-hmm. going back and forth, and like it's starting to escalate. And you just see Najee Harris just run from the other side of the formation, gets in between them, and just is like stop, right. like let's get out of here. And then Chooks kind of just like barks back at the guy. He's like Chooks, get out of here, pushes him back. The fact that – and Chooks, as soon as Najee points the other way, Chooks is like, you right, and goes there. I think Najee Harris, on top of being underrated as a runner, I think he's underrated as a leader in, in football and what he brings yes. to the locker room. Yes, and despite this being, what, year three? Three, yep. year, year three for him. And, I mean, Chooks is what the elder statesman on the offense, or Deontay, one of them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Najee has that type of sway, that type of pull, and the fact that he does not – I love that about Najee. He does not bite his tongue. He is who he is authentically, and he is going to tell you how it is. And I believe what he says is what he feels. And so this is not just some coach speak or player speak or some uh, cliche uh, talking that he's doing. Like, he's really trying to do what he can as a leader in that locker room. And he's getting in between guys like Chooks because, I mean, we saw we had a couple of dumb penalties. Oh, certainly. That could have have changed or altered the outcome of that game big time. And so um, the fact that he's showing that type of leadership that early um, in his career, and he's, this isn't a one-off. This is, he's been doing this since year one. Like he's Mm -hmm. been a rookie ever since his rookie year, he's been showing that he has that type of uh, personality and that type of uh, moxie about him that guys follow him. And the way that he runs the ball is just a a microcosm of who he is as a person. He goes in there hard. He's throwing people out the way. He's fighting for every single thing that he can get on the offense. And the people and our team feeds off that. The offensive line feeds off that. And so I need them to protect that guy because I think Najee is going to show out. I think this back half of this season, just like I think you can kind of point to how he should be ran in the game. He should get stronger as the fourth quarter approaches. Well, we're approaching halftime of the season. I think the third and fourth quarter of the season are going to be Najee's time to shine, and I can't wait to see it. I remember a few weeks ago there was a stat put out. I think it was like FanDuel or one of like the 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 the, the daily fantasy sports 
uh, comp, comp and they compared. I think it was through like you know 50, 60 starts, something like that, between Najee Harris and Marshawn Lynch. And they said, like, listen, like Najee Harris's numbers right now are better than where Marshawn Lynch was at his point in his career. He started to turn it on as he started to get older, and he figured things out with the Seahawks as he got a better offensive situation. I very much think that Najee Harris, you think about the old version of Ben Roethlisberger they had in 2021, the makeshift offensive lines they've been rebuilding his first two and a half years to now his third his third season, uh, finding a rhythm with Kenny Pickett. If Najee Harris can get a more consistent offense here. I'm not saying he's going to become beast mode. I'm not saying he's going to turn into the Hall of Hall of Fame running back. But I think like Trey's saying, you're going to see a lot different kind of production, and that's going to allow him to be more of the aggressive style of running back that we saw Alabama. And that by itself is going to open up so much more for this offense. So much more. And it's going to help Jalen out too because mm-hmm. we're, hopefully we get to the point where we have both of them on the field at the same time because – if we could consistently have a package where we have Najee and Jalen in there, plus our other beast on the outside with Deontay and George, and mm-hmm. hopefully Pat gets back here soon, um, the the options for our offense being explosive are unlimited. And you could do so much with both of those running backs in the backfield. But, yeah, if Najee wants – Najee is the linchpin. I think our offense will go as Najee goes. And the, he's going to keep on bringing it to you every single Sunday. And I love that about him. He's going to – run hard and he's going to give you everything he has every Sunday and I think eventually he'll be able to push through and get the type of offense and type of yardage that he's capable of doing absolutely he is Trey Essex former Steeler and two-time Super Bowl champion offensive lineman in the NFL Trey thanks so much for joining us thank you Trey people can find you at Trey T-R-A-I day 79 on Twitter is there anything else you want to promote as far as things that you're working on and people should know about no, I'm good. I'm just here uh, hyped hype that my Steelers are four and two, despite the fact that we haven't played a great game yet. I think, uh, like I said before, we are on the cusp. Uh, we're four and two right now. I haven't played good ball at all. And I think that the sky's the limit. As long as this offense keeps going and we got guys like Najee back there leading our offense, I think it's going in the right direction. So, Absolutely. Trey, thanks so much for joining us. We're definitely going to have you back on the North Shore Drive podcast to talk Steelers football here as this season continues. Uh, we had your buddy Max Starks was on here a couple a few weeks ago talking Man. things, so we're, we're going to love having both of you guys all oh, season yeah. long. Tune in to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for takes like Trey's here as we continue on. We'll be back Friday with Brian Batko getting you ready for Steelers-Jaguars here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you again real soon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description.